You know what time it is, right, Joey? Nah, tell me. It's go time. It is time to let it fly. Darius Slayton is a cash game lock. Uh, I didn't think we would be here this early in the year, week three, and we're already here. Uh, it's going to be a really great week in the NFL. <laughs> Oh, uh, you've been waiting for this moment for like nine months now. Feels like my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a lock. Maybe uh-huh. he is. Um, Here we go. On and off support of Darius Slayton. Joey's go-to. Nah, that's my son. I can't believe it. That That's my son. But I think there is some better value wide receivers this week in DraftKings. I mean, 4900 for Darius Slayton is a clear-cut misprice. And I will say, he's going to be a staple in all of my tournament lineups. I just don't know if I could plug him into the cash lineup this week. But I, I know you probably will. So This just sounds eerily familiar to what you were saying on this podcast in week 11 of last year when I was telling you it's time to play him in cash. And he was like, you know, I like him, but I don't know about cash play, Joey. You know what he did in week 11, right? Five for 154 and two. I think we're going to see something similar this week. Godius Slayton. It's as strong a week as any for the Godius challenge. Single bullet into the Millie Maker. I I think he gets it done for me. (laughs) Sterling Shepard out. Depleted 49ers defense. The stars are aligning. Uh, I don't know what else to say. You got to play him. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 91 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Harver, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to preview week three of the NFL from a DFS perspective. We are going to walk you through some specific slate notes. We're going to talk chalk, discuss our thoughts on cash game lineup construction, as well as where we think there are good opportunities for tournament leverage. Finally, for those of you who stick around to the end of the show, we'll be giving out our best bets of the week. Yes, through two weeks, we're batting 100% and looking to keep it that way, so make sure you stick around until the end. We've got a lot to get to today, but before we do, Joey, can you tell the people how they can support the podcast? You can support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. So go ahead and follow us over there. And then if you want, you could subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can subscribe or follow us on all of those platforms. And then make sure you're also subscribed to the DFS Dose YouTube channel. My Millie Maker video came out yesterday and Ben's cash video comes out tomorrow. Uh, So go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel and then also be on the lookout for Ben's cash game article, which will be coming out on the DFSDose.com in the coming days as well as his video. So that is the best way to support us. And then uh, just going back to the bets, I mean, we're seven of seven right now and we're giving out free money. So make sure you stay to the end of the podcast to hear our favorite bets. Uh, I mean, who doesn't want free money, you know? Yes. Now let's get right into the show, starting off with some slate specifics. I've got Vegas notes for this 13 game main slate. We have eight early games and five afternoon games. Joey, this is going to be a sweaty week. And what I mean by that is that all of the DFS standings and every tournament and all your cash games, it's all going to be shifting until the very end of the slate. Not only Are there two more late games than we had in either of week one or two? It was three in both of those weeks. We have five late games in this slate, but two of the late games are going to be the most heavily targeted games in DFS uh, with Dallas at Seattle having a 55 and a half point total and Detroit at Arizona having a 54 and a half point total. Players from these games will deservedly command a lot of ownership as there is a Steep drop off to the next tier of game totals. Uh, you know, after that Cardinals, it's a six point tier drop to Tennessee at Minnesota at 48 and a half. The top five implied team totals in order for this slate, Seattle with 30.25, Arizona with 30, Indianapolis 27.25, New England 26.75, and Cleveland at 26.25. Joey, looking at these numbers from Vegas, what stands out to you on week three? You touched on it, and it's that Dallas and Seattle game and the Lions 
and Cardinals game. Those are going to be the two most popular games on DraftKings for week three, and rightfully so. I mean, these are going to be the highest scoring games on the slate and I just want to say play all the guys from Mm -hmm. these two games like these are some of the best DFS plays on the slate and you know we're going to talk about it obviously on this podcast but that's what stands out to me and what also stands out to me is that the Cowboys don't have a team total in the top five team totals that you listed. I think that's pretty interesting. I agree. That is interesting. And if you expand the slate to look at some of the primetime games as well, I mean, the Chiefs team total is extremely low for what's going to be one of the better games of the year slated for Monday Night Football. That'll be great for the showdown slate this week. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the main slate, I am I was surprised as well to see Dallas with such a low implied team total below teams such as Tennessee, Jacksonville, uh, Philly, Cleveland. I'm not sure that I would expect Dallas to score lower than any of those teams. Yeah, I think Dallas is in one of the best spots on this slate, obviously. Definitely project them to be losing in this game going into Seattle. So they're going to have to be throwing the ball a lot. And I think they'll put up 30 plus points easily as as well as the Seahawks in this matchup. Agreed with that. And uh, the other thing that stands out to me here is the opportunity to get some real action in on early game slates and afternoon only slates this week with five games in the late games and then eight games early. There's some significant options here where where as opposed to you know just like a three game pool of games to choose from which we usually have in the afternoon so i definitely am going to be making some specific lineups uh for both of those slates as well as i think there will be a little more action on them in this week yeah definitely and i mean what is it what it's looking like right now is all of the popular tournament stacks are going to be played in that four o'clock window. So playing the early only, you know, you're going to have to try and find a stack that you like. And as it stands right now, I don't think there's many stacks that I like in the, in the one o'clock window. But I mean, if you put in the time and put in the research, I think there is an opportunity to maybe bank a couple early only tournaments this week um, due to the nature of that one o'clock window. Yeah, I mean, if you're winning a tournament after the 1 p.m. games, I mean, (laughs) just just close down the app because it's going to be a disappointing (laughs) next three hours for you. Close the app, go take a nap you know for three hours don't watch the games and you might be in the top 1000 so you might still be cashing (laughs) maybe (laughs) um yeah let's let's get right into it and talk some chalk looking at the chalkiest projected players here as we record late wednesday night so the thing that stands out to me right now and these projections will definitely change throughout the week but miles sanders and Kenyon drake are likely to be the two highest owned running backs on the slate and I think that it is deserved, in my opinion. I mean, these guys are in absolute smash spots. Miles Sanders specifically, I mean, we saw him unleashed in week two after returning from his hamstring injury. He had 23 touches, 20 attempts on the ground with three catches on seven targets with 76% of the running back touches. And I think we could see that increase to like 80 or 85% because Corey Clement and Boston Scott, let's be real, these are not good NFL players so it's the Miles Sanders show in Philadelphia and they have a great matchup coming into town with Cincinnati who just got eaten alive by Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt so that obviously uh boosts Miles Sanders outlook and 6400 for a player that will have a large projected receiving role in Philadelphia with uh, some injuries to key players there. I mean, you can't get a better spot for Miles Sanders than uh, 6,400 at home against the Bengals. He he came out, like you said, he had 83% of the running back attempts, 17% of the team's market share of targets, seven targets, only caught three of them. I think that he could be more efficient with his passing game role, and the Eagles have a healthy implied team total of 2575 Both of these teams, I think, project to play fast. There's going to be a lot of plays in this game, and Sanders is just wildly underpriced at 6400 and then you know speaking of wildly underpriced Kenyon Drake I mean this is a home favorite running back that's averaging 20 touches per game in a game with a 54.5 total going against a absolutely pathetic Lions defense (laughs) that just let Aaron Jones decimate them for 236 all-purpose yards last week Uh, I mean Kenyon Drake at 6k flat might be the best pure running back play on the slate. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree with you on that. The Lions have given up 400-plus rushing yards on the ground in two weeks of football, which is literally 
terrible. That's disgusting. So this is obviously a great matchup for Kenyon Drake. And at 6,000, this is a guy who's averaging 20 touches per game in the first two weeks. Um, Only two catches in each game, which hurts his upside a little bit. And with Kyler Murray also running the ball more, that hurts Kenyon Drake's upside as well. But Kenyon Drake going up against the Lions, it's just a smash spot for him. And I think he is a lock. And I will say, I think Miles Sanders is the best pure play on the slate. I forgot to say that, but Kenyon Drake is right up there uh, in terms of pure play. So lock in those two and then go from there is my advice. Yep. And then right behind them in terms of projected ownership at this point is Ezekiel Elliott. How do you feel about Zeke this week? Because there are a lot of solid running back options at all price points this week. So, you know, paying all the way up to Zeke is something that we don't have to do. I mean, he's not priced the same as Christian McCaffrey, who, you know, has been the top of the leaderboard at 10K for a while, but still 8,300 for Zeke this week. It's not cheap. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an expensive price tag, especially when you can get players who will have similar touch projections for, you know, let's say 1300 1500 2000 less. So I don't see myself playing Zeke in cash. I mean, it still is Zeke, one of the best running backs in the NFL, if not the best fantasy running back in the NFL at this point with all of the injuries to to key running backs. So I like him a lot in tournaments, but I don't see myself going there in cash, especially when we can get a guy like Jonathan Taylor for 1300 less or Eckler for 1500 less um who project very similar to Zeke. So, you know, you can never go wrong with playing Zeke in any format, but I don't think that is the vibe for week 3 uh in my mm. professional opinion. Yeah, and I have a similar feeling, although I just want to make sure that we're very clear that we are you know, a little bit off of Zeke more so because of the quality options at the position, not because of something like, uh, say, perceived matchup against the Seahawks, <laughs> who, you know, the numbers are looking strong for them. They're looking like a really solid run defense, but it's still too early in the season. The sample size is still too small to make really committed decisions based on stuff like that, especially when, you know, the Seahawks run defense has really only had to face Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, uh, and, and aging Dustley. Todd Gurley. So I think that Zeke is is definitely still a great play. If I don't end up there in cash, I'll definitely have some tournament exposure. Uh, and the other chalk running backs or chalky running backs, I should say, right now it's looking like Mike Davis might be that guy. Um, you know, came in, saw eight fourth quarter receptions after Christian McCaffrey went down. McCaffrey is out for, I think, four to six weeks, right? So, you know, Mike Davis coming in at 5,100 against the Chargers is going to be a popular play this week. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, Mike Davis, in my opinion, isn't like a bad running back in, in terms of the NFL, but he does have a tough matchup this week against the Chargers stout front seven. So that hurts his outlook a little bit in my opinion and DraftKings did a good job of pricing him up to 5100 uh, for this week so I don't think I'm going to go there in cash I mean I can't blame anybody that might want to pay down to him as he does have some receiving upside as we saw last week but I can't see myself going there especially when you could play a guy like Joshua Kelly for a hundred dollars cheaper going up against him in that same game in a better matchup for the Chargers going up against the Panthers' worst run defense that, you know, we've seen over the last five, six years. Uh, so Mike Davis is, eh, don't really have any strong feelings about him, but I'm probably not going to play him. I, I have a strong feeling, and that's that, you know, if you play him in cash, you might be a donkey. <laughs> you, you really might be. I mean, Get all I'm your sorry, head-to-heads. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely, definitely send the head-to-head second-year pro on DK if you're thinking about trotting out, you know, a running back on a team that are seven point underdogs with an 18.5 implied team total <laughs> when you can get a ton of great plays like Joey just said Joshua Kelly I would rather have and I mean Mike Davis he had eight receptions in the fourth quarter that's more than McCaffrey had in the first two games I definitely think that that regresses to the mean and that I just don't see that being the type of work that Davis you know, averages on a week to week basis. So I think that he's just going to be wildly overowned, and won't, you won't see him in any of my lineups. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't see myself going there in cash at all. And then in tournaments, I mean, I might take a shot on him, but maybe in one lineup, 
uh, not even. So I think I think we're on the fade Mike Davis train for this week. Yeah. Talking about quarterback ownership, it looks like it's going to be consolidated around three main players, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, and Russell Wilson. So I guess which one of these guys do you like more? Because I think on the surface, they're all fantastic plays and I would be fine rostering any of them in cash or tournaments as well. I think right now, Wednesday night at eight o'clock, I'm leaning towards Kyler at 6,800. I mean, it's just because he's the cheapest of the three. And I think he presents similar upside to Dak and Russ, especially if the Cardinals keep on letting him run the ball. I mean, we've seen him rush the ball, what, 22 times or 21 times this year already in two in two games for three rushing touchdowns so I think Kyler Murray's upside in this matchup is too hard to pass on especially if we don't play one of the players on the Cardinals that is going to be highly owned how closely do you view Josh Allen and Cam Newton to being in this tier I mean those are the five highest priced quarterbacks and I think all of them have legitimately high floor ceiling Mm -hmm. projections but I think Kyler Deck and Russ are going to soak up a lot more ownership than Allen and Newton. I think they're right on the cusp of the tier one. Um, I would put them in a tier two all by themselves, Cam Newton and Josh Allen, and then another tier break after that. But they're right there in terms of fantasy for me. I mean, Cam Newton has been outstanding uh, in the in his first two games with New England putting up 27 and what 38 points last week against the Seahawks two rushing touchdowns in each matchup and then Josh Allen has been playing lights out granted he has played the Jets and the Dolphins uh, and gets a tougher matchup this week uh, with the Rams going into Buffalo but I still think Josh Allen has a lot of upside due to his rushing ability as well and I mean we see it the best fantasy quarterbacks are quarterbacks they have rushing upside and all five of these quarterbacks have damn near elite rushing upside. So I don't think you can go wrong with playing any of these five. Obviously, we're probably going to gravitate towards the first three guys. But I mean, Josh Allen and Cam Newton, they're, they've been great. And, you know, Cam Newton father, Josh Allen is a son. <laughs> and that daddy-son duo is tearing up the NFL right now. Well, a little family tree in the AFC East. That's yeah, sort of God. <laughs> in terms of wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins is looking like he'll be the highest-owned wide receiver in cash games this week. How do you feel about Hopkins and paying all the way up to 7900 for him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins, you feel me? Great play every single week. He's averaging 12 and a half targets with the Cardinals so far, which is number one in the NFL, and then has like a 35% target share, which is number two in the NFL. So they're making it a point to target him and get him the ball. So I think he is a phenomenal play this week, although it might be hard to get up to him, especially if you play three running backs above 6k and then some of the other wide receivers that we're going to discuss shortly it could be hard to get up to him but i don't think it's wrong playing deandre hopkins i mean it's deandre hopkins one of the best wide receivers in the nfl going up against the defense that is very 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 terrible and yeah i mean Lions D is just so bad. Yeah, I mean, they don't get pressure, they can't cover, and uh, they just bleed, you know, yardage (laughs) to receivers and running backs. So, I mean, they might as well not even trout any players out there and just let the Cardinals do whatever they want, because that's kind of what it feels like they're doing. Uh, Depressed Lions fan over here. Um, Looking at some of the other wide receivers that are going to be popular targets, and, you know, three guys stand out to me, and they all come from the same game the premier game of the week, if you will. And that'll be Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper, and DK Metcalf, all priced within $100 of one another. Amari Cooper and DK Metcalf, $6,500 each, and Tyler Lockett right below him at $6,400. Do you have a lean on any of these guys? Are you considering some of them cash plays, some of them GPP plays, or do you view them all as high floor, high ceiling options? Yeah, I think I definitely view them all as high floor, high ceiling options. I mean, you want all the players in this matchup, and they all have great price tags. I mean, Metcalf and Cooper are 6500 which I think is too cheap for them. And then Tyler Lockett is right behind them at 6400 and I think that's too cheap for him as well, especially in Seattle. I mean, we know where the targets are going to go in Seattle. They're going to go to Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, I mean, 
I talked about it in my video, but you're not going to see guys like David Moore, Greg Olson, Will Disley, and some of the other guys that they have get a good amount of targets. It's literally Metcalf, Lockett, and then, you know, sprinkle in some Chris Carson here and there. Uh, so I, I want all of those guys, all of the Seattle guys. And then, I mean, the Cowboys wide receivers. I don't think you can go wrong with playing any of them. Cooper is a fantastic play. CD Lamb is 5,400. Michael Gallup is 5,500. I think those are great price tags for them. So, I mean, just play all the guys in this, in this matchup. And if I had to pick a receiver for tournaments, it's uh, definitely DK Metcalf. I think he has the highest upside out of any of these wide receivers. Um, he's just a grown ass man, and he showed it against Stephon Gilmore, unfortunately. So, mm, absolutely torched that man on Monday Night Football. I mean, and he uh, all right. He had one play. <laughs> Let's not say he tore. I don't want to go that far. He beat him on that play, but Gilmore was right there. Don't front. He didn't get torched. He beat him on that one play for fifty four yards. And Gilmore only gave up three catches for 30 yards for the rest of the game besides that one play. So let's not say he torched them, but Metcalf definitely uh, definitely got by him on that deep route. I, I had yeah. to de- I had to defend my son right there. So I right, yeah I'm glad you got that off for me. I think that Amari Cooper is the safest option. I mean he's getting the most targets mm-hmm. uh, of these guys. Cooper is you know averaging over 10 targets per game right now. Uh, So he would be my choice for cash games, you know, as a raw play. But then you look at, you know, how the Cowboys wide receivers offer some pay down options, guys like Lamb, and then maybe you would want to put a Seahawks receiver in there instead of jamming in Cooper as well in cash. A lot to think about. I would recommend that you guys check out my cash game article, which comes out on Friday, as I'll have a few more days to digest this information and I'll be able to, you know, really uh, more definitively speak on which of these guys I like more for cash games. Uh, and then moving on to tight end, Joey, the the main guy here is Logan Thomas. You know, he's projected to be way higher owned than just about every other tight end on the slate. So first of all, I mean, how do you feel about that? You know, this is your boy. He's demanding some respect now. And do you feel good about him this week? Because personally, I think that he needs to capitalize in this spot as chalk to sort of solidify, uh, you know, the offseason touting mm-hmm. that you, you know, bestowed upon him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Logan Thomas has had a rough start to the season, but the opportunity is there. 17 targets through the first two weeks puts him as the tight end three in terms of targets, only behind Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. This was a guy you were drafting in the 18th round or going undrafted, and he's top three in targets already uh, to start the year. So great, great pick in best ball and whatnot. But back to DFS, I mean, it's just going to be hard for him to capitalize in this terrible Washington offense, which also they just lost their best offensive lineman and Brandon Sheriff. So that obviously hurts their stock even more. But good news. Good news, Benny. They're facing the new tight end flow chart this week. Mm. The Cleveland Browns. How do you feel about that? I mean, are they? Is is that true? That, is that, uh, that backed that, up by science? That, that, I think I think it's uh becoming the flow chart. Cleveland Browns, we're gonna target tight ends against them. Cause he didn't he didn't do much against the old flow chart. Maybe it's because that flow chart was outdated. You know, yeah. read it, needed to reprint the chart. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, the 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 old chart was was last year. We can't look to last year. Mm-hmm. So bad bad play on us last week. We look to this season, and that is the Cleveland Browns tight end flow chart. You know, they let Drew Sample and C.J. Uzoma eat them up last week. Mark Andrews also had two touchdowns against them in week one. So this could be a Logan Thomas breakout two-tutty game coming at you $3,700 on DraftKings. So I mean, if you don't play him, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's fair. I mean, this is a man who's playing 91% of the snaps. That's what he saw in week two. Like you said, third in the NFL in tight end targets. He's tied with Terry McLaurin for a team lead in targets, and the Browns are getting torched on a weekly basis. He's just simply underpriced at 3700 Cash game lock at the tight end position. Let's transition to cash game lineup construction and talk about a few things here that we're going to be considering when we build our cash game lineups. And the first thing, Joey, is just an observation that I've made when I've been playing around with the pricing. And to me, this feels like a mid-range week all around. Although Zeke and Hopkins are both fantastic plays like we just spoke about, I see the paths to having a lot of strong lineups where the highest priced player on your team is a quarterback. 
am I bugging out right now? Nah, I don't think you're bugging. I think the way to go is to have a balanced lineup. And I think that's been kind of the theme to start out this season. Um, There is a lot of values at you know, around the 6K, 7K range, um, and even in the mid 5K range. So I think having your quarterback as the highest priced player is the way to go this week, uh, especially with the quarterback options that we have. So I'm comfortable with fading Zeke and DeAndre Hopkins this week, but some people might not be comfortable with them. And I will say, like I kind of foreshadowed earlier, if you play Kyler, you can get exposure to DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. So I think that is the route that I'm leaning towards right now. Like I said before, you can't go wrong if you play these guys, but I, I do agree that this is a mid-range type of week. Yeah, I mean, with Sanders and Drake both under 6,500. Uh, Ridiculous. And essentially being stone locks, you can essentially guarantee you know that 65 to 70 touch range without paying above 7k at running back in either of the three spots you know whether that third guy is jonathan taylor at 7k uh, whether it's austin eckler at 6.8k chris carson who i think is flying under the radar at 6.6 but is a you know home favorite in a game with a total above 55 uh and then there's even some other guys you know the the pay down guys guys like uh, mike davis joshua kelly some people may even talk themselves into playing Jeffrey Wilson Jr. for the 49ers, although it couldn't be me. I mean, you know, (laughs) what are you thinking in terms of the third running back, assuming that Sanders and Drake are already locked into your lineups? Yeah, so I have a couple running backs uh, in my pool that I'm considering. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is leading the way. I mean, an elite play at 7K, in my opinion, going up against the New York Jets, who just gave up 180 yards to the Niners on the ground. Uh, just absolutely abysmal are the New York Jets. So great matchup for Taylor. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with playing Henry or Zeke as your pay-up options. I mean, they're leading the NFL in terms of touches for running backs. Uh, so I don't think you can go wrong there. Eckler is a great play in my opinion. James Conner is also going to go under-owned in my opinion as the workhorse running back for the Steelers at home against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. And then, as you mentioned, Chris Carson as well. So I think there is a plethora of options as you're running back three. And, you know, I think I'm right now, if I had to say, I'm leaning towards Taylor and Austin Eckler right now. Taylor is in such a good spot, you know, despite the unappealing game total uh, currently at 44 and dropping, you know, they gave him a $1,300 price bump. I still think that you could make the argument that Jonathan Taylor is underpriced. Profiles is a great play against the Jets team that is, you know, crumbling in on itself. And the Colts have the third highest implied team total at 27.25 on the week. So Taylor to me is a phenomenal play, you know, dispelled any rumors or thoughts of a you know backfield split with Naheem Hines as you know Hines had one touch in last week's game. Taylor is a workhorse. Austin Eckler, I think, is a similarly good play with similar upside, but you know, the thing is he is going to be, you know, seeding at least 20 touches to somebody like Joshua Kelly in a given matchup. And I think Jonathan Taylor uh, you know, will be more in the 85 to 90 percent snap share for the running back position of the Colts. So I think that he may be the move in cash games if I were to take a stand right now. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd definitely have to agree. I mean, it's unfortunate that Eckler is splitting touches with Joshua Kelly because this dude Eckler is one of the best running backs in the NFL. So elusive, obviously a great pass catcher, and they just don't want to give him the ball. I mean, this man averages like five yards a pop. Uh, while Josh Kelly was averaging two and a half yards a pop. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me, but Anthony Lynn is a confirmed donkey. So, <laughs> Damn. Coming for that, man. I mean, Straight off when, the, you, when you're a coach... When you're a coach and you say Tyrod Taylor gives us our best chance to win, I don't take you serious at all. But we can move on. I know I know it hurts you every second that uh, Herbert's not out there making yeah. plays. That's yeah, your boy. Facts. Factuals. Um, <laughs> At quarterback this week, you know, we talked about it. Kyler, Dak, Russ are all phenomenal plays with Newton and Allen right behind them in terms of viability. You know, my note in terms of cash game lineup construction at the quarterback position is that I don't think that you can pay down this week. I don't think it's a viable option. While usually it makes a lot of sense to 
you know, do that because quarterback scoring is relatively flat. You can find a lot of guys who are going to get 20 points on a week to week basis. I simply don't believe that 20 points is going to get the job done this week because the majority of cash games are going to be, you know, centered around quarterbacks with legit 30 plus point upside and Kyler, Dak and Russ. Uh, even Newton and Allen in that, you know, conversation are guys that can score from 25 all the way up to like 40 points reasonably in these specific spots. So I don't think that, you know, paying down to somebody like, I don't know, uh, you know, Trubisky or Stafford or whoever is even really in consideration for cash games this week. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely have to agree with you. If you're paying down at quarterback this week, send me all the head to heads, which we need to we need to start plugging more. We need to start plugging our DraftKings usernames because I mean we're we're playing this every week. And if you want the action, I'm JD carrying 300. I wish you could change your usernames because that's like ugh, I don't want that line. I don't <laughs> I don't want that username. It's just uh, but yeah, JD carrying 300. If you want this smoke in the head to heads, uh, but yeah, don't play. <laughs> Any quarterback under 6,600, there's no need to. You're not going to get a 30-plus point game out of a guy like Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers, these dusty-ass quarterbacks. Carson Wentz at 5.8 is kind of appealing in tournaments, uh, and I like Daniel Jones at 5.5 for tournaments, but definitely not in cash. Pay up. There's a lot of value this week in the mid-range, and you can easily afford it, although I will say generally... Paying down at quarterback is my preferred strategy, but not this week. Might be able to take a look at Derek Carr after the New no England defense just got eviscerated on, in prime No time. shot. <laughs> if you play Derek Carr, I don't know what to tell you. He should not be in any of your DFS lineups. I'm sorry. Hey, I mean, they dropped 34 back-to-back. I think they're doing it for a third time uh, come Sunday, but I guess That's we'll cat. see. In terms of wide receiver, we mentioned it. Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Hopkins are all viable cash plays, pay up guys, if you will, because even getting up to that 6K range, I think is we're going to be looking to pay up at wide receiver this week. But in terms of value, we'll be looking to probably find one or two guys that give us some salary options. You know, talked about it at the top of the show. I love, love, love Darius Slayton, a.k.a. Godius in this spot. No Sterling Shepard. You know, the, the 49ers defense is a shell of itself. And, you know, they're at home. Daniel Jones is going to lean on his best offensive player. Saquon Barkley is gone. They signed the decrepit Devonta Freeman late in the week. So I think it's we're going to be looking at a situation where they lean pass heavy and Godius is going to soak mm-hmm. all of that up at 4,900. Love him this week. We saw the upside in week one as he dropped over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So he is squarely in consideration for me this week. And then there's some other guys I think we can consider as well. C.D. Lamb. Deontay Johnson, Nikhil Harry, to name a few. You know, did any of those guys stand out to you as particularly strong cash game plays? Yeah, I mean, I think Darius Slayton is strong as a sub 5K wide receiver. I mean, he's the clear cut Giants wide receiver one now cemented with Sterling Shepard going on IR. Golden Tate is an injury prone scrub at this point in his career. Evan Ingram has gotten off to a slow start, but I do like targeting him in tournaments. But with that being said, Darius Slayton is just a clear cut alpha in this offense uh, on a team that has passed at the highest rate to start the season. The uh, the Giants are number one in terms of pass rate, so they're going to be throwing the ball the Niners are feeling a terrible defense, honestly. Like, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. It's terrible. Just straight shit. They okay. lost Nick Bosa. Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman. D Ford is injured right now. So their starting defensive line is Kerry Hyder Jr., Javon Kinlaw, DJ Jones, and Eric Armstead. Hey, Kerry uh, Hyder's not that bad. That man was a contributor for the first iteration of the Matt Patricia Lions defense. <laughs> Of course, he would know that. Uh, no, he's a scrub. This Niners defense is severely injured, and so is their offense. Um, so I think the Giants run away with this game, which could hurt Darius Slayton's upside. Uh, I think they're going to be ahead throughout the whole game, and, and we'll get to that with our best bets. But Darius Slayton is in consideration, obviously. Nikhil Harry at 4,200, I think, is probably the best pay down option at wide receiver. He's seen 18 targets the first two weeks, uh, so obviously nine targets per game. 
And if you're going to get nine targets out of a 4,200 wide receiver, I'll take that opportunity all day long. So 4,200 going up against a very easy matchup uh, in the Las Vegas Raiders. Give me Nikhil Harry at 4,200. And then I've also seen some rumblings of KJ Hamler. I don't know how you feel about that vibe, uh, but he is currently $3,000 on DraftKings. So the stone minimum at wide receiver. And he saw seven targets last week in place of Cortland Sutton. Uh, and, and he might carry some ownership this week. I, I don't think it'll be a lot, but people are going to play him. I mean, he's the stone minimum, but if you play him in your lineup, he's going to be giving you the stone minimum amount of points, probably a stone cold zero because he's catching passes from Jeff Driscoll. So that's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> hey, man, I just heard the rumblings. I didn't say that he's my type of vibe. I'm, I'm yeah. definitely not playing Hamler in any lineups. I don't think there's a need to play a 3K wide receiver. Agreed. I, I do like Harry for value. And I mean, I really do love both CD Lamb and Deontay Johnson at 5,400 each. Um, you know, Lamb has just dominated the slot. The Seahawks are without their top slot corner, and he just gives you, you know, cheap or at least cheap-ish exposure to the Dallas passing game. I mean, this man just went for over 100 yards in his second NFL game. He is blossoming into a phenomenal player quickly like we thought he would. And Deontay Johnson, I mean, this man is just getting force-fed targets on a weekly basis, over 10 targets in each game, 13 targets last week. He did not practice on Wednesday due to a toe injury, which could definitely change the slate if he were to be out. I think Juju Smith-Schuster would start carrying massive amounts of ownership and would be a phenomenal play uh, in cash games as well, but we'll have to see how that develops throughout the week. We'll get to it, but Juju, I think, is one of my favorite tournament plays. And some other wide receivers that I like in the range, I like Allen Robinson a lot going up against the Falcons, who have given up the second most passing yards to opposing quarterbacks uh, right behind Seattle. I think DJ Moore is a fine play at 6,100. He just had a 20-point day last week, and they dropped his price by $300, which makes no type of sense. Uh, so I think DJ Moore is a solid play at 6,100. But other than that, I'm just going to be looking looking to target Cowboys wide receivers, the Seahawks wide receivers, and you know that's pretty much it in uh, cash games. Mm. And then for tight end, I mean Logan Thomas, right? For cash games, and and think no further. <laughs> yeah. Logan Thomas is definitely my cash game tight end, 100%. Uh, but in tournaments, I think there is leverage to fading, you know, a chalk tight end on probably the worst or one of the worst offenses in football. But we'll get into that right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's transition into tournaments. We could talk leverage, stacks, long shots, you know, however you want to get after it. I'll let you kick it off here. I mean, I think the leverage is simple this week. Don't play the chalk stacks. <laughs> Everybody's going to play Seattle, Dallas, uh, Arizona, and Detroit. Don't so play them. <laughs> That's it. The Dak to Cooper is, is sneaky or, or Russ to Lockett. That's nah. not going to go under yeah. the radar. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's going on their own. Uh, but nah, um, yeah, that that's my leverage. Uh, just try and find another stack that you like. Obviously, sprinkle in these guys. But if you want the ultimate leverage, just don't play anybody from this from these two games. That's my advice. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's good advice because I'm definitely going to play these play these uh, players in all of my tournament lineups, uh, which I think you should do too. But best way to get leverage is don't play them. I think that you can get leverage without full fading the games. I mean, there are multiple players oh, in yeah, this game, sure. I think, that have you know sky-high upside that are going to go under-owned. Uh, one of them we briefly mentioned is Chris Carson. I mean, Carson is, you know, home favorite running back, good leverage on you know the, the popularity of Russell and both Seahawks receivers he's good leverage off of chalk running backs he looks like he's going to go under own in this spot and he's even averaging 4.5 targets per game I mean he's third in targets behind the two receivers so you know Carson I think has a lot of potential in this spot and I think another place you can get leverage in this game is Michael Gallup who mm -hmm. look we talked about it on our last show, on our, our week two review show. I think we both think that Gallup is the wide receiver three right now in terms of Dallas, um, passed up by CeeDee Lamb, but he's still a fantastic leverage play in GPPs. He has 30% 
uh, share of the team's air yards. He's getting utilized down the field. All he needs is to capitalize on one of these bombs. And I think DraftKings leaving him at a price tag more expensive than CeeDee Lamb is going to make him go wildly underowned, and he might just be my favorite uh, GPP play in this game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and also, uh, or the ultimate leverage would be Dalton Schultz again, who has a projected ownership of under five, and going back to Chris Carson, his projected ownership as of right now, what do you think it is? I mean, I haven't guess. looked, but if I were going to take a guess, I, I mean, it would have to be at least like 15, right? No, 1%. 1%? 1% projected right now. It is only it is Wednesday night, so that'll probably change. But Chris Carson is projected 1.5% right now. Jesus, Joey. <laughs> I'm going to be rich this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we saw a situation very similar last week with Aaron Jones where he was, you know, one of the clear-cut best tournament plays. I mean, it gave you leverage off of Devontae Adams last week. And like you mentioned, Chris Carson gives you leverage literally off the most chalkiest plays on this slate. So might be onto something with that one, Benny. For sure. What else, what else stands out to you in terms of some tournament strategy? Yeah, so I'm going to be targeting these two games. Uh, but there's also some other games that I like. I like the Giants side of things. I, I highlighted it in my video, but I, I like Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram. So I'm going to be playing a couple lineups with them. And then you can, uh, you know, run some Cam Newton naked, or you could pair Cam Newton with Nikhil Harry. I like that a lot. But realistically, I'm going to be, you know, just targeting these two games and then sprinkling in some high upside options that are going to be lower owned, such as Juju, uh, Allen Robinson, who's projected to be 10% owned or less, um, and then paying up to some guys like Calvin Ridley, uh, Julio Jones if he plays, and and DeAndre Hopkins, but he'll be chalk. Yeah, I mean, just building off of what you're saying, one of my favorite you know, upside or, or sneaky upside stacks is going to be, once again, Mitchell Trubisky, a.k.a. Mm. Trash Biscuit, going to <laughs> Allen Robinson, who's in a smash spot. I mean, he's had 18 targets through the first two games, nine in each game. And that's double the next closest Bears passing option. The Falcons have allowed four wide receivers to go for over 90 yards, including two 100-yard games through two weeks. So I think Robinson has a legit chance. He's been in good spots so far already, but this is the best one, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're playing on an early only slate where, you know, Trubisky has a better shot to outscore, you know, guys without Dak and Murray and, and Wilson on the field. So, you know, especially in early only, I'm going to be looking to get some exposure to this stack. And, it, you know, there's easy bringbacks with, you know, Calvin Ridley, who's the wide receiver one in fantasy at this point in the year. I would not consider paying up for Julio Jones, who, like I mentioned, is complete dust on the last show. So. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Calvin Ridley was the Falcons wide receiver one, but you still had Well, that to, goes you, without saying. <laughs> you still had to throw the shots in at Julio. I respect it. Uh, but yeah, Allen Robinson is one of my favorite plays on the slate. And I mean, if Cooper and Metcalf and Lockett weren't so underpriced, uh, I think Allen Robinson would be in cash game consideration for me. But since mm -hmm. obviously those guys are underpriced, he's not. But phenomenal play in tournaments. And one of my favorite tournament long shot plays is a wide receiver this week. I will note, smashed on Tyler Higby last week. Three tutties uh, mm -hmm. going up against the Eagles. I called it as my favorite tournament long shot of last week. Or let's try and extend that two weeks. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, 5,200, projected to be 1% owned. And I think this is a spot where Deshaun Jackson will catch one or two long touchdowns against a very beatable Cincinnati secondary. I mean, we saw Odell burn William Jackson a couple times uh, on primetime on Thursday night, and this is a spot where I'm going to take a chance on Deshaun Jackson, especially after Jalen Rieger uh, had another injury announced today, and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And Deshaun Jackson is a clear-cut wide receiver one in that team with really nobody behind him. So he is my uh, long shot of the week, Deshaun Jackson, 5,200. And then my second one is Juju Smith-Schuster uh, getting off that Deontay Johnson hype. I, I like both of them as one percenters, two percenters. 
Yeah, I had Deshaun Jackson written down as well. I think he's a phenomenal tournament play with Jalen Rager set to be sent to IR. Deshaun Jackson's already seeing pretty strong usage, had nine targets last week. He's second uh, in the team for targets through the year so far behind Dallas Goddard with more targets than Zach Ertz, surprisingly. And look, you know, Deshaun Jackson was chalky in week one. You don't play Deshaun Jackson when he's chalk. Now he's burned everybody. People aren't going to want to go back to him. 5,200, under-owned, in, in a good matchup. Absolutely a great time to fire at Deshaun Jackson. So I love that. I'll be on that as well. And then, you know, speaking of another guy who some people were on last week that disappointed, and it's going to be hard for people to go back there, but for a long shot, I like T.Y. Hilton this week. Joey at 5,600, going against the Jets. Paris Campbell is gone. Phillip Rivers has a noodle arm, guaranteed, verified, but still, I mean, this Jets defense is a complete mess. It's leverage off of Jonathan Taylor. He's 5,600, right in the same range as guys like, you know, Deontay, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. He's going to get completely overlooked, and I think he has a good chance uh, to put up his first big game of 2020 this week. Mm, you love you some T.Y. Hillen, huh? Hey. I mean, I, I mean, come on. I feel like that's a play that you'd be on board with. That's your man's, right? You were drafting him a lot in best ball. Yeah, I mean, I think in hindsight, that was a mistake. Uh, Phillip Rivers is dust. This is captain check down. And I think he hurts T.Y. Hilton's upside as a fantasy player. So I'm not too inclined to play T.Y. Hilton. But he does have like the best matchup on the board going up against this terrible Jets secondary. And I mean, the Colts are are going to throw the ball, even though they're going to control this game. And like you mentioned, uh, T.Y. Hilton is the clear cut wide receiver one. So I don't hate it, but I I don't think I can uh, play T.Y. Hilton in in DraftKings. So, okay, that's fair. Last name I'll throw out before we get out of here is AJ Brown. He may not even play this week. He didn't practice on Wednesday, but if he does play and he comes back and gets to go against that Minnesota uh, secondary, I mean, it, it's time for a coming out party for AJ Brown. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how he, it progresses, but I think he would be super sneaky, especially coming off of an injury as a long shot tournament play. 6k yeah i mean you know my feelings on uh sir aj brown so Mm -hmm. but if the listeners don't know fade aj brown no shot um this is a team this is a team that wants to give derrick henry 30 touches a game and there's a lot of good it's doing though (laughs) (laughs) there's just not a lot of opportunity there for aj brown uh so i i'm not playing aj brown i'm sorry ben I'm not playing T.Y. Hill, and I, I know that hurts your soul a little bit. Yeah, all right, buddy. That's fine. Let's uh, let's move on, get out of here. But before we leave, we have to give the people what they need, and that's the best bets. Mentioned it at the top of the show. We're 100% 7 for 7. What do you got, Joey? Let's keep the streak alive. Yeah, I mean, my favorite bet, only got one of them for you guys today. Giants plus 4 going up against an injury-plagued, 49ers team that is without their starting quarterback, their starting running back, probably their starting tight end in Kittle, who's not going to play due to turf concerns. Um, down their top, what, one or two wide receivers, uh, down their best defensive players. Yeah, give me the Giants plus four at home. Uh, Giants are 0-2 right now, so they're desperate for a win. They're hungry, and they're, and they're going to be... On the Niners' heads in this game, uh, just lighting them up through the air. Give me the Giants plus four, and I also do like the money line, but the pick for this segment is Giants plus four. Only one pick. That's all you need. Uh, Just bet all of your life savings on the Giants plus four and and what could go wrong. Mm -hmm. I like that. I mean, with Nick Mullins slotted to start, I think that that is a phenomenal bet. I've got three, Joey. I think Vegas has this slate Mm. wrong. I'm looking at these, you know, lines and I'm seeing a lot of egregious stuff. But I think potentially the most egregious would be the line on the Titans-Minnesota game. I would like to smash the under on 48.5 points for these two, you know, just pretty terrible teams in my opinion, especially Minnesota. I think Titans could turn it around, but I mean, unless they score 40 of these 48 points, I don't see them hitting this, you know, total. (laughs) This game does not deserve to be the third highest, uh, you know, over under on the slate. Absolutely not. This is going to be a slow paced 
run heavy game with, you know, few plays ran. And I think that it's just going to be, you know, more likely to be around maybe, you know, 24, 25 when it's all said and done mm-hmm. under on the Browns as well, Joey at 26 as an implied team total. And it's actually looking like it's down to 25 and a half. So get on this before it falls any further on your local sports book. The Browns, Joey, I mean, they had a good game against the Cincinnati team but they are going to be in for a rude awakening against this Washington front seven. Their O-line is still in shambles as far as Cleveland goes. I think that Baker's going to run into a lot of trouble and be under pressure all night long. So that's going to be a a big under for me on the Browns scoring 26 points. Finally, the Panthers plus seven. I, I know that their defense is terrible. I know that Teddy isn't, you know, doing amazingly, but I'm sorry. No team quarterbacked by Herbert is good enough to be favored by a full touchdown <laughs> to anybody. So this Chargers team, you know, you said Anthony Lynn's a donkey. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, and I just don't see why, you know, the Panthers are getting a full touchdown. So yeah, give me Panthers plus seven in this spot against the Chargers. Okay, okay. I like those three bets. I think those are all solid bets. Definitely uh, lowering my chance to remain 100% by throwing three out there. But I'm confident in these, Joey. I think that I'll be seven for seven by the time this week ends. But that's going to be it for us on this episode of the DFS Dose Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you heard some good information, some actionable information that helps you take down some GPPs and win your cash games on this upcoming week three slate. Like Joey said at the top of the show, you can support us by following us on any podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, SoundCloud, We are everywhere. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Joey does his weekly tournament breakdown there. I do my cash pool preview, followed by a 2,000-word article every Friday that updates throughout the weekend, so make Mm. sure you check that out. I've been smashing cash games, so you're going to want to have to read what I got to say. You know, not to toot my own horn, but averaging like 88% win rate in cash games. And I'm going to drop the knowledge for you guys once again this week, so make sure you check Mm. that out. And finally, you can follow our personal Twitters if you're interested in hearing what we have to say individually. If you want to send some smoke my way in the DK streets, I've got my DK username in my Twitter bio, which you can find at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Let's take something down and sail to the money this week.